to Podiatry Today Podcasts. I'm Dr. Jennifer Spector, the Managing Editor of Podiatry Today. In this day and age of medical practice, finding the right staff members to support in your office is a significant challenge. In today's episode, we will hear from one podiatrist who is currently working with a unique solution to this problem by using a virtual assistant. T-Win DPM is a fellowship-trained podiatrist in practice with Pacific Point Podiatry in Freedom, California. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm excited to share this novel concept with our audience. I think the first question I'd like to ask you today is, for those of us who have not heard of a virtual assistant in the context of a medical practice, can you tell us a little bit about what this person does for you? So I run a solo practice by myself, and I opened in 2018. I initially had like two or three full-time staff. And then through the pandemic, I just had to really reroute my efficiencies and systems. And I came across virtual assistance for a medical office and decided to give that a try because a lot of the things that was tying up my, my office was handling phone calls or phones that are going off the hook. And I personally don't like phone triages. I think it's, you know, when I make a phone call to an office and I, I, I get like an automated system, I feel that it's very impersonal. And then I start to get agitated for every minute that I'm waiting. So I started to implement a virtual assistant for my practice as a way to help offload some of those phone calls that could be easily done by, you know, practically anybody with very minimal training. So I use a virtual assistant um, for anything that uh, anyone that can answer the phone do, but they're doing it remotely. So that could look like somebody who maybe had worked for you in the past and now wants to work from home or someone who's in a totally different country. For me, I chose a company um, that specializes in providing virtual assistance remotely. And the one I have right now uh, works from Mexico. And so that's how I'm using her. So does this person complement your front desk staff member or it's not a replacement for that person, correct? Initially, I was toying with the idea of perhaps completely digitizing my my office, but, but then my receptionist had left. And so I wasn't, I was kind of, I think a lot of us are in the same boat. We're just like frantically looking for a living body to fulfill this position, not realizing what was going to come next. You know, I, I would interview for people, they wouldn't show up. And there was just like, you know, the HR thing that we just don't want to deal with. So I initially wanted this person to complement this, the, what I already had in place. But then my receptionist left, and so I had to quickly adopt her as basically the full-time receptionist. Now, she's not full-time receptionist because I still have in-house medical assistant who you know, knows our patients better and can deal with more complex issues, patient care issues. So I do route level of complexity to one or the other. So right now, even though she's considered complement, a complement to the practice, She's, she handles like 90% of the administrative workload for my office. So in the case of a patient calling that does need that higher level of complexity attention over the phone, is this virtual assistant have a pathway to triage that back to your office or how does that, how does that work? Yeah, I keep a, a, a protocol online. I use the Google Drive for every possible means of communication in it. It's like a handbook that says, you know, if a patient calls to schedule the appointment, here is the script. If a patient calls 
um, and you can't troubleshoot with these questions that you're able to ask, like uh, answer like hours of operations, directions, services, you know, what insurance do we cover? If it's beyond that scope, then you are to put the patient on hold and make sure the medical assistant can reach them or the medical assistant will call back or I will personally call back. What benefits have you seen from bringing on this virtual assistant? I think I have been so much more at ease with just the employee management aspect. I don't have an office manager. I'm a micro practice, so it's just me and one medical one medical assistant who is full-time. Uh, I had a biller, but I'm converting out of insurances, so I'm able to do insurance billing. It's much more manageable now. It was really important that I got a virtual assistant that can adapt quickly and has a friendly demeanor. Um, so that's where I am at with the practice. The benefits of having a virtual assistant is 10 times full decreased stress. It's stress in a different way because even though they're a virtual assistant uh, working remotely, they're not in the office seeing my work habits, my likes and dislikes and learning from the other staff. I'm having to train them a little bit more closely until I feel confident that they can be a reflection of my persona as they're answering phone calls for patients. So it's been really wonderful in that regard. You know, I do have to slow down and train this person to the T to make sure that they're going to excel um, at what I give them to do. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the first steps you took when training this virtual assistant? So initially I started them doing, you know, the, the thing that we all hate to do is insurance verification. That's a phone call that can take up to 40 minutes of your time or anyone's time really. And so she's able to do that remotely. And that I think covers a lot of the stress we had in trying to understand a patient's benefits and trying to help the patient maximize their benefits. And so I have, uh, I have the virtual, virtual assistant predominantly work on anything related to the insurance because that's usually a phone call. So it really sounds like it's very customizable to any one practice. Have there been any drawbacks or downsides that you've noticed either in your experience or observing the experiences of others? Yeah, with a virtual assistant, um, I'm very limited to what they can access. So they don't have any access to my financial data. Our healthcare um, right now is just it's just, a, it's just a mess. And so I prefer for her to not have any access to our financials. And so that if patients have any questions in regards to their insurance benefits, I manage that myself or I have my medical assistant do it because we're much more familiar with what goes on um, within that field. I did experience a virtual assistant that I interviewed and I quickly hired, but I also had to quickly fire because it wasn't working out. I had thought, I had the assumption that they were a fast learner. They were um, a pediatrician already. They had a medical degree in a different country. But as far as the work that I needed them to do, they just couldn't fulfill it. And so they're just like any hiring process. You have to go through your due diligence to make sure it's a good fit um, for your practice and that you, you give them the tools to succeed, that you don't just assume they'll know how to run your practice. You really have to take the time to create these protocols, review it with them, train them, test them, and make sure that you're constantly keeping in contact with them because they're not physically in the office to get that feedback. So I think that's just the one thing that I had to really, I guess, adapt to 
to ensure that my virtual assistant is doing exactly what I'm asking them to do. So what resources might be out there for doctors that are listening to this right now and thinking that this might be something they want to incorporate into their own practices? I think just working or talking to somebody who's already had experience with a virtual assistant is probably the easiest thing to do. There's a lot of podiatry forums on Facebook or, uh, you know, as a way to start connecting with doctors who already utilize them. Um, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody with my personal experience, but as you know, it's just like having another employee. It's going to really vary what your needs are versus your expectations, what, you know, if they match or not. And so I don't know if there's an online collective source on virtual assistant, there might be an easy Google to look at that. But I, the two, the two uh, companies that I've used, one is called Hello Rach, Rach as in R-A-C-H-E. That was the first experience I had and that was pretty good. I had stopped using them because at the time I didn't need that service anymore. And then I moved on to a different company called Golean, G-O-L-E-A-N. Um, and they have another, there, there are, there's quite a few that are US based, but they are uh, outsourcing the services. So maybe the number one issue that people um, might be concerned about while using a virtual assistant is HIPAA compliance. Most of these companies, they're targeted for medical practices, so they're well aware of our HIPAA laws that are in place. What you need to do to be compliant is to have the person that you're signing on as a virtual assistant sign a, a business associate agreement, a BAA, and that just puts it in place that, that you both are exchanging personal information and you're doing your best to protect it. Now, does that protect you from uh, protecting the patient's privacy indefinitely? No, because, you know, spyware, malware, all these things. So just make sure you also have a cyber insurance coverage um, for those types of things. But I think that might be the, the one thing that people may hesitate on using a virtual assistant for is not knowing how protected their patient information is. That makes sense. Those are some really important considerations. Uh, throughout the rest of your medical practice, whether or not you're using it right now or whether or not there's an established pathway for it, are there any other aspects of, you know, podiatric practice that you think virtual assistants might be able to help with? You know, I've seen um, uh, an aesthetic practice use a virtual check-in. So they have the iPad set up at the front desk with the virtual assistant face-to-face. -face. So if people are needing more face-to-face -face interaction, that's one way to do it. Um, I've thought about doing that. I'm, I, don't, I don't know if that was necessary. You know, my, my patients have not felt like they were any more disconnected with a virtual assistant. Um, I will share that because my virtual assistant does have a, an accent that it could be off-putting to some people. Um, and so that's where I have to train my staff that if they can't answer a question, clearly and concisely to have my, my medical assistant um, help triage the situation. So it sounds like the, the time investment in the beginning might be pretty in-depth, just as it would be with any employee, but that the hope is that once you get going, this person is going to be able to move efficiently and smoothly within your practice to help, like you said, offload some of those other duties that you could be focusing on the clinical aspects. Yeah, I... 
you know, I think I've, I've used a virtual assistant for a year and it's just, it's so wonderful because the people that I've worked with, they're, they're committed. They're not looking for another job. This is their dream job is to work remote and be at home and have that flexibility. And they're getting paid more than their minimum wage. So a lot of people have ethical concerns about what they get paid. Here where I live, um, and if I were to hire on another receptionist, I'm looking at paying them hourly from 20 to $25 in private practice. The corporations out here are paying them over $25 an hour. So already I have to compete with the local market as far as getting you know, a body in my office. And then you have to consider the benefits that are in demand. You know, are you providing health insurance on top of that? And then you're having to pay taxes uh, for the employees versus a virtual assistant, you're just paying for the hourly rate. And often they require a full-time job for some companies like the one I have right now, 32 hours a week is considered full-time. And so you're just paying the flat um, $10 an hour rate uh, for a virtual assistant. And so I think you do have to look at what your needs and expectations are, the risk and benefits and see what works out for you. Initially, I was kind of looking at this as a temporary situation until I can figure you know, the employment issue out. But my virtual assistant has made my job so easy and my medical assistant as well. She's having to do less of the admin work and we're both able to focus on patient care a lot more. And so I just think if it's, if it's gonna cross your mind, perhaps a virtual assistant might be for you. And I think it's worth giving it a try, but you really do have to commit the time to train them and give them at least like three months chance to make it work for your business. And I promise you're gonna see such a huge benefit for what you're saving and what you're getting in return. Is there anything else that you'd like the audience to know about having a virtual assistant? Yeah, virtual assistant is a lot like an in-house staff. So don't go in there with the expectation that they'll know what to do. Your practice is as unique as the next one down the road. So you wanna really make the time to connect with them, make sure that um, you both have an understanding of expectations. And I, I really think it's gonna work itself out. I did have a negative experience because I didn't screen well. I think we were all at a time where we're just kind of desperate to have um, some help. And I rushed into what was available and it just wasn't a good fit. But the good thing is that there is no contract. So I let the company know right away, this isn't working out and they were able to provide me someone else to interview. So I think just go in with the open mind, um, just be aware of the risk and benefits for yourself and see what you're willing to, um, to take on. Well, having a virtual assistant is certainly something that makes a lot more sense than it may have a few years ago. Thank you so much for sharing your time and experience with us today. To the listeners, we hope this was an informative and enjoyable episode for you and that you'll join us again for more of the latest in foot and ankle surgery and medicine from leaders in the field. Don't forget to find us or follow us on your preferred podcast platform, including Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on podiatrytoday.com.